one, man. Episode 10. We made it. We made it. We made you it. You were a bit worried it wasn't going to happen. I know. You thought to yourself, oh, no, 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 it's no. It's done. No. Because the jinx. what happened? Uh, when we just, on the day we were going to record our 10th mm. episode, I, I got a little... You got sick. I got a little sick. Yeah. I couldn't do it. No. Couldn't yeah, that's come fair in. enough. That happens. Well, yeah, especially when you're about our age and... Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're a picture of health and... <laughs> I'm so. visiting doctors and things like that, but I'm no, back on the bandwagon. Good. Yeah. Because I know some people are concerned, especially yeah. about me, not about you. No, well, you're the one that was sick. I was the one that was sick. But that's all right. That's, that's all right. Good. You're Chris, healthy now. Chris put in something, oh, you know, as healthy as a 50 odd year old guy could mm-hmm. be who's on a mountain of pills every morning. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm smiling. But we're back. So the music podcast. Music, music bar, bar podcast. That's what we're called. Did we you forget back. all yeah, that you forgot? I did. It's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> Aaron Lewis and Stain said, it's been a while. Yeah. God, so, yeah. Let's back. not mention Stained again. Please don't. They were awful. They were. Fucking awful, Ben. Still going, though. I see that they All he does, have you seen the live footage of that guy? All he does is just pro-Trump and anti-Joe Biden during his concerts. Really? I thought to myself, I don't really want to go to a concert to like... Mind you, yeah. that's what Roger Waters is going to do is... Yeah, it's pretty different. We'll go anti-Trump and pro-Biden. Let's not get into that. Yeah, yeah it's a different oh, story altogether. Geez. But yeah, welcome back. Sorry about the uh, break, but we had someone who was unwell, and yep. that's what happened, so yep. we, we moved on. And... It's our roadie. He was out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're back, and um, yeah. thanks for those who commented during the week and the past two weeks, and you know, asking where we were, and hope we're back. And Yeah, thanks for the cards and letters, too, yeah, yeah. and the flowers I received. Just really... Yeah. Hit so, the heart of my cockles. It really did. Yep. Really did. Hey, hey, speaking of um, being unwell, like Vince Neil fell off the stage he and did he didn't bounce. He did. <laughs> did he bounce? He did go boing <laughs> and got back, back up stage. again, back on the stage and went, hey, that worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he wasn't, was, he, what happened to him? What, did he hurt himself in the sense? He broke some ribs. Broke some ribs. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he was, that was the excuse why he couldn't sing very well then. Oh, so he's had breaking ribs for a while, hasn't he? Yeah. Oh, dear. And they just announced, actually, the tour starts next year, June. The Motley Crue and okay. Def Leppard. That's, this is an interesting thing, the Motley Crue tour. We'll briefly go on, because we're going to delve into some 80s. 80s. Yep. And we're going to talk about big artists of the 80s. Mm-hmm. So who headlines this show? Motley Crue. Why? Because they're the ones who put it together. It's their idea, I believe. Who sold more records? Def Leppard. You got it. <laughs> Hysteria, probably. One is def- and um, Pyromania. And Pyromania. And yeah. Adrenalize. Yeah. Huge selling records. And Hysteria is still like, as we'll go into, is still one of the biggest selling albums of all time. Is it really? Because mm. Dr. Feelgood must be up there too. No. 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 Doctor, no, Doctor Feelgood didn't sell anywhere in the capacity that uh, that um, Hysteria did. did. Wow, it's interesting. I just think, is it because yeah, who headlines the? Sh- is it a co-headline like one mm. night one guy one band headlines? I mean, the crew put on a spectacular show. Yeah, there's no denying. That's right. And it's hard to come on after a, a band has literally blown up the stage. That's what happened when I saw Motley Crue last. They blew up the stage. Well, they had the big drum machine, a uh, drum. Mm-hmm. machine that moves around while Tommy plays drums mm-hmm. and when he was about to do his drum solo yeah. it wouldn't go up yeah Brisbane. because just before that happened Nicky Six had his bass that shoots out flames mm-hmm. and he uh, melted the cords that run to the power of it so yes <laughs> Nicky <laughs> should have known better he should have aimed it Nick, differently Nicky should have known better it was a good he's been show. doing this for a while they have been yeah, yeah should you know, know. Should, it's like I think we've talked about Slipknot, you know, they have to know where to stand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, there's, fair enough, there's nine of them on the stage. They have to know where to stand. Yeah. Just that they don't get blown up. That's right. <laughs> and know? only crew only have four and only one or well, two move. There's a drummer and Mick, to, and oh. Mick doesn't move, so there's only two taken off the ground on oh, uh, stage. Yeah. But, yeah, speaking of um, people who've hurt themselves, Wolfgang Van Halen hurt himself the other day touring. And was, it wasn't his feelings. No, <laughs> it probably was, actually, but... No, I mean, I don't want to be mean to Wolfgang Van Halen. I'm a supporter of the guy. Yeah, me too. You know, he's a super talented guy. His album, oh, look, I'm not as enamored. The album's fine. Mm-hmm. The the Mammoth WVH. Mm-hmm. But he's, he just seems to get hate no, he for gets using hate all the, time. the Van Halen name. Yeah. Or 
why isn't he doing Van Halen songs yeah. during his set? Or, you know, using the Van Halen, how dare you use the Van Halen name and ride on your dad's coattails? The guy can't cut a break. No, he can't. And his album speaks for itself. If you listen to it, he's played every instrument. Mm. He sings everything on there. Mm. And he's got a band that tour and they are very good at doing what that album requires. And they've mm. just opened up for Guns N' Roses yep. in the States for however long. But I think it was his second or last show, or second or third last show, he um, twisted his ankle or something, so swell up. So he uh. had to wear a moon boot. Um, but yeah, they played on. But yeah, I, I hope they tour here. Um, oh, at the moment, tours are yeah. tours are a bit down the track. Up in maybe. The air. I think I think a WVH tour. You've got to have a promoter now who could bring someone to the country and just know that they could sell the tickets. Yeah, I think they could because of the Van Halen name. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, yeah. But that, there you go, the Van Halen name. So they're going to what? They're going to sell the Van Halen name. And he's going to come out here and not do Van Halen songs. No, and he, he shouldn't. And, and, and that's how a promoter would sell it. And people would go to the show and go, we well, didn't do any Van Halen songs. Well, all the Van Halen fans, most Van Halen fans do want to hear this stuff. You know? Do they? I do. See, I, you're a Van Halen fan, but I see... That's what I'm saying. What, what they look at is who's the casual fan and who's the, uh, the, oh, yeah, the yeah. diehards. Well, it won't be a big stadium, put it that way. As I said, I've been to Bruce Springsteen concerts where I've loved everything that he's played because mm-hmm. I know Springsteen's material. Yeah. And even then he plays stuff that I, oh, I didn't know that, B-sides, and because he's, he's big on doing that sort of stuff. Yeah. But there'll be people sitting there going, well, he didn't do Born in the USA. <laughs> because people will go see Springsteen knowing only that one big record yeah. of his. Yeah. So, you know, it, that's just going to be an interesting one where the promoter thinks he can bring... Wolfgang, probably if they bring festivals again, perfect maybe. for a festival audience. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely perfect. But on a solo, maybe a Sydney or Melbourne club shows, probably. Yeah. Or to open for someone else. Open for somebody. Big. Yeah, actually, that's probably someone might bring well, him Guns out. Guns N' Roses are coming over. Next year now. Mm. Actually, well, since we last spoke, Guns N' Roses have postponed the Australian tour. Yeah, yep, yep. So did Kiss. Yep. Kiss postponed their Australian tour till March next year. Maybe um, Wolfgang comes over and he could. opens for Guns N' Roses. He could here. very well. That'd be great. Yeah. You, did you get tickets for Guns N' Roses? Yeah. So you got to wait till next year now yeah. to, to go and see them. That's right. I've waited. I've never seen them live before, so I can wait another yeah. year. Uh, as I said, we've talked about it before. And yeah. um, Speaking of Guns N' Roses, uh, we're going to talk a lot about these bands because, as we know, these bands have been around for a while, but speaking of Guns N' Roses, postponing the Australian tour... They've released new song, Hard School. I think we, yeah. we we both like it. Loved it. Yeah, yeah. We both thought it was really cool. Didn't like Absurd. No. But these are songs good. that apparently that were written and or recorded a long time ago because Slash yeah. has now come out and said, there's no new material. No. Because he's, he, he's gone back to his... Well, they recorded some solo stuff. They recorded Hard School back in 96. That's right, yeah. And then apparently from my research and watching a Duff um, interview, mm-hmm. uh, he said that after that album, uh, that song was recorded, Slash quit the band yep. about six or seven weeks later. Uh-huh. So that's why it was never released. Uh-huh. But it was actually under the working title of Jackie Chan. That's right, yes. Because it was we actually to... recorded for a Jackie, Jackie Chan, Chan movie because Axel Rose is a huge Jackie Chan fan. That's right, he is too. So they've gone back into the little vault and found this song and changed into hard school and I listened to that song. Would they have um, done, they would have had to record, re-recorded certain parts. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, they've got to make it sound like it wasn't recorded back in the 90s. There's different yeah, new definitely. techniques now and stuff like that. Yeah, you can go back and, and touch touch yeah. it up. But um, They I do like that it. with everything now. To me, as soon as I heard it, I, I listened to it. For those who don't know about the Gold Coast and Brisbane, I was on the way down here, and I listened to it nonstop from Brisbane to here in the car. You did? Also on the way back up again. Yeah, after you dropped me off? Yeah. But see, you had to because I talk all the time. <laughs> So he's only heard, a little, bit. He's only heard little bits here and there. We were trying to listen to the new Mastodon album this morning. Oh. Well, he's heard it. I haven't heard it yet. I'm, I'll be dying to hear that one. Because it's such a great To be perfectly honest, there's been some good hard rocking albums coming out this year. Yeah. yeah. And uh, before we get started in our topic, I just wanted to say, did you see what the number one selling vinyl record was in the country this week? No. All for One by the Screaming Jets. Really? 30th anniversary vinyl pressing. And it's selling really well. Oh, really? You love that too. You're yeah, a Screaming yeah. Jets fan. Yeah, I used to sing better in my in the band. Hey, speaking of vinyl, some some um, you told me that you were going in to buy the new Mastodon vinyl. Yes. And I cried. 
Yeah, well, I saw the CD price and it was thirty-seven dollars. Thirty-seven dollars for a CD. For a CD. So when I asked where the vinyl was, they didn't have any at JB Hi-Fi. Any certain stores got it, and that was over a hundred for the vinyl. Over and it wasn't a deluxe or anything. No, it's just it was the, just a standard album. A hundred. And you had discussed bucks. with me on the way down here that that's because there was a shortage. There's a vinyl shortage in the world. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? Two thousand twenty-one. Who would have thought there'd be a vinyl shortage? Because of. The world we're living yeah. in now and, and all the stuff, there's now a supply chain yeah. issue. It's just crazy. Things aren't getting delivered anymore. So all our prices are going up. Why, mm. you know, our petrol has gone way up. Yeah. But yes, because uh, She Had, whose new album, Old Gods, is fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. They came out on Facebook on the day it was to be released on vinyl saying, sorry, um, the vinyl's delayed. Because yeah. of the supply shortage. The red vinyl came out. Yep. They were able to, because a mate of mine brought, bought the red vinyl one, yep. but the regular black vinyl, and when you come in and you say you've got to pay $100 for a Mastodon vinyl, not deluxe. And not deluxe, not special not edition, special no edition, print, nothing. No different color vinyl record. Vinyl record for 100 bucks, with no extra services involved with that. That's my 100 no. bucks, you know. That says a lot about the state. And that's of... fine. That's Things like that will happen, and I won't buy it until it goes down in price, mm. and I'll just download it and do through Apple Music, whatever I'm listening to, yeah. Spotify. And that's where I won't buy things like that until I know. But will it come down in price? This is the thing now. Once I notice things go up, because the demand will still be there. Maybe. I'm, yeah. I'm willing to wait a year or two or three. It doesn't worry me. I don't need it on vinyl tomorrow. No, you don't. No, no. But so, I know you're... As long as I can hear it, which I do, I've got it on my phone. It's, yep. it's, it's a great album from what I've heard so well, far. The bit I've heard amazing. from it, I think it's better than the last one. The last one left me a little... What was that one called? Oh, man. It came out about four years ago now, didn't it? Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, that's right. It left me a little kind of... I, I felt they like didn't really know what they were do, uh, where they were, direction they were going. They're a band that have set a standard that is so incredibly high yeah that anything sort of less than mm. what they do is is, is is a disappointment yeah and probably even their lesser material is probably better than a lot of other yeah. bands out there but yeah mastodon are just one of those bands that's like this is what you need to aspire to yeah they're the, this is like metallica obviously over but for those real diehard metal people yeah mastodon is kind of the standard now isn't it yeah oh tremendous guitar players Musicians, singing, Musicianship, singing, um, and yeah. song and songwriting, songwriting. Um, mm. Their song "Hearts Alive," which is probably one of the, my favourite songs of theirs, mm. back from one of their first albums. Yeah, um, goes for thirteen minutes, and I do not get bored during that song at any stage. I love the long song that does that. But then this new album, they've kind of like done like I think you mentioned a while back, um, the Metallica thing, where they've kind of like the Black Album. They've kind of like simplified. Could be more to the point with this album. Yes, very one. much. But I, there's still songs in there which go for seven minutes. Yes, true, but but they um, just just the one was well, song you played for me that had a very simple guitar riff in it. Oh, tremendous! And I said, this is really cool, but it's clear they want to get played on the radio. Yeah, yeah. this is not a heavy. So it seems to me they're looking to expand their audience. Yeah, because I suppose it gets to the point where you just sort of look out and you see the same people turning up to your shows all the time. Yeah, if bands are happy doing that. That's great. But, you know, they clearly are looking at this For stage longevity, of their career. you need to expand. You do. I think they're probably looking at that. They're probably... Yeah. I remember um, I saw this great thing with Bruce Springsteen, uh, like VH1 Storytellers mm -hmm. that he did with just him on the piano or the guitar. Kind of what he morphed into his um, Springsteen on Broadway show. It was, it was really very good. And he played the song Waiting for a Sunny Day. Big chorus in it, you know. And he said he called them his bank manager songs. Okay. So they're the ones... When his bank manager rings him up and says, Bruce, you need a bank manager song. You need a song <laughs> that gets people buying your records again, gets yeah. people coming back to see you again. And yep. I think maybe that's what's with Mastodon. Maybe the bank manager went, guys, you need to do more than what you're doing. Yeah. You know? But again, they can't play live. They can't go and play 10 songs which go for 30 minutes each either, you know? So... Oh, look... Chris, you know as well as I do, there will be people in that audience going, where are the 13-minute songs? Yeah. I hate these new three-minute, so four-minute songs they're doing. Why are they getting the third? And they all stand with their arms folded. I'm saying, 
you always tell you, in a, if you're in a show, you always know the musos in the crowd. Yeah. They're the ones with Who are angry arms folded <laughs> and look like they're not enjoying themselves. They're looking at the guitarist or the drummer. They don't even look at the lead singer. Or the bass player. Or the bass Unless player. Unless the bass player is a singer, which it is in this yeah. case. Or, or the bass player is really an amazing musician. Yeah, he is. I'm a bit of a muse. I like I'm watching the musicians play yeah. and, and all that. But you can just tell those musos. They just stand there. Yeah. And they just, nothing impresses them. Yeah. Nothing. Speaking of impressive musicians, Dream Theater have released a new album. Is it out or is it it's coming? Out. No, it's out. I've got it on my phone. It came out the other day. Oh, right. And their last song is eight tracks. So the last track goes for 20 minutes. I told you before, Dream Theater have never won me over. No, no. But no. there's a link with Dream Theater. Um, there's a report that Mike Portnoy is the drummer. Was the drummer? Was the drummer, yeah. He's, he was a former... There's talk about... I, I think it's only talk. He oh, wants to yeah, go with yeah. Rush. Yeah, I think it might be only talk. From it the interview he's had, because he's a huge Rush oh, fan. There's, you can see the direct line between Neil Peart yeah. and Mike Portnoy. Yeah. You, you can totally see that line. And you were in the audience for David Letterman. Yes. Drop, oh, when Neil Peart was on doing that amazing solo. drum solo. So if you look that up on YouTube and you see Neil Peart's performance on Dave Letterman, Chris was actually in the audience. I was audience. in the audience, yeah, I yeah. was. Um, I never have been, I've been to the show a few times when I lived in New York to go see it film, but I didn't expect, when I heard that Neil Peart was going to be on, and you only found out when you're sitting down already, that I was like, what's he going to do? Like, it's just a drum mm-hmm. solo, and I'm like, oh, here we go. How long is this five-minute drum solo going to be? How boring is this going to be? But it was actually amazing. Yes. The only problem with that is, as an audience member watching him, you couldn't really see him because his drum kit's so big. And it, was, it goes around, it went around him. It goes him. right around him. Yes. 360, and I'm like, is he there somewhere? Yes. You know? it's like, it's like when we see Iron Maiden and Nico McBrain is there. Yeah. I've never been able to see him. Yeah, and it's the same yeah. with Dream Theater now. Yeah. Mike Portnoy used to use a drum kit, which was big, mm. but Mike Mangini, the new uh, new drummer, his is right round upper level as well. Like, oh, right. I'm eh? like, wow. You know, but yeah, amazing. But yeah, Dream Theater's album is out. It's, it's amazing. Mm. It is really, really good. Okay. If you like that kind of music. If you like that kind of music. Yeah. <laughs> Musicianship. And that's why I find Mastodon are very similar. They're, they're just the same kind of players, but they just do a heavier version of it. Yeah. And because they have a better singer or singers. Yeah, they've got like, multiple singers. Yeah, that mm. helps. Where Dream Theater don't have that, and I do get a bit tired of their singer's voice. But anyway, that's another story as well. Yeah, I think that's the thing with some... You're going to love hearing somebody sing. To, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Kiss always shared the vocals around. Yeah, did too. Yeah. yeah, the early material. Yep. Yeah, all four of them. That's what they wanted because it's what the Beatles did. Oh yeah, that, that, they that's, did too. that's exactly what they wanted to do. Yep. You know, all four of them sing the yeah. Beatles. Yes. Yeah, even Ringo had it. Yep. Song. Even they gave let Ringo sing a few. You know, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, you know, poor jokes. Ringo <laughs> was Ringo's better than. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We are literally. We haven't even hit the topic of the show yet. No. We're just sort of coming back. I suppose we're just doing a debrief. What's happened and everything. There's a lot going on. You know, when you sort of think, oh, what's happening with music? Now you just kind of look at it and you think, well, what is happening? Now we've just sort of spoken Touch about it. Touch bases on a few things. Touch yeah. bases. That's all we've really kind of done. Yep. 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 So, but, uh, 80s. The 80s. We all love it, don't we? Do we really, Chris? Well, it seems to stick around forever. It seems to have stuck around forever, I've said in the past it? podcast, I'm still driving a truck every morning hearing the same songs on well, the radio. Was, we were talking 91, so we're going to go back. So the year is 2021. Mm. Now, the Rolling Stones have just released the 40th anniversary of the Tattoo U album. It came out in 1981. Okay. Start Me Ups on that album, Waiting for a Friend, Neighbours. You know, it, it was probably the last really great Stones record, I suppose, okay. if you're a Stones fan. So, yeah, you're not. Well, it's okay. I'm not going to die on that hill, mate. <laughs> Dio maybe, but not the Rolling Stones, okay? I love them. I think they're great, but, know. you know, just, we'll, we'll get into that, you know. But it look, you look, we're looking back on an album that came out 40 years ago mm-hmm. in the rock and roll world. Think about when we were kids in the 80s. There is no way we would have looked back on an album that came out in 1941 and gone, we're celebrating the 40th anniversary of that record. No way. It's because of the diametric change in music mm. in that particular time. It was like a seismic change yeah. between what was popular in 1941, which would have been that old-timey music. We're living in the war. Come home, boys. 
to start me up. Yeah. You know, that's a huge. But from 81 to 2021, there is still a big change in music because the Stones will still play shows, but they're old men now. Hmm. You know, we've just lost, but they're still playing. Yep. There was no way someone from the 40s was still going to be playing in 1981. No. No one would go see that. No. No one would go see that act. So why are we looking back on the 80s mm. like we do? Why? Why? Because when the when the 80s came along, the 70s was really like, oh, the 70s is poo. But as we sort of moved on a bit more, people got more nostalgic. I remember in the 90s, we got nostalgic for the 80s. I went to clubs that had 80s nights. And, you, and you'd go, yay, listen yeah. to this song. But now you, you we go back, we're older now. And we look back at the 80s go, oh my, remember when we used to go out and do this? Yeah. I worked for a commercial radio station and those 80s weekends were like, you get the biggest response from mm. people. You know, oh, that was when I was a kid, you know. What's well, I think I mentioned before, you, my favourite songs in my life were always an emotional kind of attachment. So oh, it is, yeah. The people who listen to the 80s, like that's when MTV, mm -hmm. and that's when the fashion changed so much from what it used to be to the to the... Happy pants and to the... It was a coming of age. Yeah, it was. Apparently it has been scientifically proven that what you got into at age 14 is what you probably do end up listening to mostly oh, okay. for the rest of your life. Yep. That's why they say there will be a lot of these, the kid, people who are 14 when Eminem was huge, yep. who will grow up and that will be not, that. that's not a bad thing in any capacity mm. whatsoever, but they will grow up with Eminem as their kind of, and hip hop. Yeah. That whole genre of hip hop at that time. And yeah. like Run DMC? Yeah. That came out then? 80, 84, 86 yeah. was when Walk This Way came out. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just an emotional touch, attachment. I, I, I think it was a, a, the connection with radio as well. And video. And video. Video was such a massive thing. You look at, it's funny how you look at artists that were huge in 1979. And then in 82, when MTV yeah. launched yeah. in America, and all of a sudden, there was this shift with how an artist looked. Well, it's, it's like um, Money for Nothing. Yeah. By um, Die Straits. Die Straits. Yeah. That song of theirs was one of the first videos for MTV, wasn't it? No, that came out in 85, but it was the whole, they used the MTV slogan, I want my MTV. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it, but the way it was filmed as well was more... Um, animation than probably... It was a groundbreaking video yeah, for its time. and that time. really made people go, wow, this is amazing what you can do on TV and video mm, clips. And Instead of seeing the band live or just seeing them walk around and, mm. you know, whatever. So that kind of changed, so I, think. I think. I think also, too, coming out of America in the early 80s were those LA Motley Crue rats, yeah. and they all looked great. Yeah. Regardless of whether you liked the music or not, but they had the hair, the costumes, the makeup... And those boys were good looking. Hmm. They were good looking boys. You know, Def Leppard. They were all good looking guys. They didn't look like in the seventies. Everyone had mustaches. Yeah, yeah. I saw this old video of Deep Purple on um on t on YouTube the other day doing Child in Time. Brilliant. Yep. Ian Gillen had one of the most amazing voices. But if you looked at that band from nineteen seventy, they all had hair, mm -hmm. mustaches. Yeah. They all looked like old. Guys, but even then they were probably hippies. But the hair was unkempt and undone, yep. and they looked—they just looked like they walked off the street, plugged in their amps, and away but, they yeah, went. Yeah. Kiss kind of changed that a bit, but by the eighties, it became this um, glam, the glam, the look. The look was such a big thing for for an artist. You know, before they made an album, they had to look at how to present. Yeah, this particular record. I, I was listening to the other day the. That Pina Colada song by, um, not Rupert Hine, but I forget, Rupert something. You know, you feel like Pina Colada? Mm -hmm. right? And I remember the video to that. He was just a guy in like almost pink slacks and a red shirt mm -hmm. with a mustache just singing this song, crooning yeah. this song. And you knew that within three short years, no one would have watched that video. Yeah. No one would have looked at that. So it was this marriage of music and visuals. Yeah. Which meant you had to have the songs. Mm. Now, this is where I'm coming to. It seemed like the 80s was this time, especially around 82. And I think this all started with Michael Jackson's thriller. Yep. Michael Jackson and his producer, Quincy Jones, 
went into the studio with the deliberate idea that they wanted to make a record where every song was a hit single that could be played yeah. on radio. Yeah. Now, if you look back at the 70s, biggest selling act of the 70s. Who was the biggest selling act of the 70s, Chris? Oh, I wasn't born in the 70s and I didn't listen to any of this kind of music, but um, I'll pretty put it in there, Led Zeppelin. You got it. Yeah. Led Zeppelin, sold, yeah, biggest selling act of the 70s. Yeah. They never really released singles. No, Led Zeppelin were an album band. Hmm. Artists that released singles, Pink Floyd were the same. Yep. It wasn't until disco came along that singles became sort of a thing in the 70s again. Yep. But even then, bands were, the singles were generally the first three songs on the record, and the rest of it could have been filler, unless yep. they were making a going in there and making uh, one of those great albums that just start to finish, way to go, great record. And it's always singles have driven album sales, mm -hmm. so to speak. But in the 80s, it was very much they were going to sell the album. If you picked up this record, it was going to be wall-to-wall -wall the greatest hit. It was almost like picking up the greatest hits of this particular band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It became the thing. And Michael Jackson's Thriller really set that benchmark. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There were nine songs on Thriller, and it had seven hit singles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Has it been done since? Yes. Really? Yes. Wow. We'll get to that. <laughs> I have this great book. I bought these series of books. The 100 best-selling albums of the... I've got the ones. There's ones for the 60s. There's ones for the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Um, there's none from the 2000s because literally by the 2000s, music just changed. That was another changing moment in music. Mm. It wasn't a style of music. It was the way we consumed music. Sure. And all of a sudden, the computer, the internet... MP3 downloads, Napster, Napster. changed the LimeWire. Oh, changed the whole mm. landscape, didn't it? And the music industry really didn't know what to do about no. it. When when you get Lars Ulrich suing his fans for taking for doing music, mm. they had a they took a long time to recover from that, didn't they? Yeah, they did. But again, I still think it was the right thing to do. Do you? Yeah, I don't. It wasn't. They it should wasn't, have sued the fans. I don't think they sued them. No, but what they should have done... They didn't really sue anyone. They actually just threatened... Well, I guess threatened, but mentioned that... I still believe artists have a right to make money off their I product. do. I, I do believe that, yeah. And they, they should be able to distribute the way how they want to distribute. What they did wrong was Metallica went at it on their own. But they didn't originally. They had all these... Yeah. They had a bunch of um, hip-hop artists and yeah. rap artists. But there were other people who were like, yes, we'll support you. But then when they realised they, they were going to alienate their fans, <laughs> they, they, all went, they all disappeared. And it was left to Lars Ulrich to yeah. sit there and talk about how we want money. Yeah, yeah. Give me money. I have all these... I've got to, Someone's got to pay for my Basquiat paintings and stuff like that. <laughs> someone's got to pay for all my divorces and, and all that sort of... And my child support. And that alienated the fans. It was but I like, do believe after that happened and things died down, I think artists are very appreciative of what Metallica went through and Lars went through to do what he did. The record companies across the board completely dropped the ball in every capacity when yeah. it came to that. They completely dropped the ball. Yeah. To the point where they the, literally the record industry, the entire recording industry went to Apple. Yeah. That's why we have Apple Music. Simple. Yeah. They went to um, Steve Jobs and said, help us. Mm. And he yeah. said, I will create a platform where you can put all your stuff and I'll call it iTunes. Yeah. And it worked. And it worked. Very well. Worked incredibly and well. And the iPod came out and you could have it all in one hand. It's like 10,000 songs in your hand. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. My playlist Crazy. goes for days. Yeah. But speaking of Michael Jackson Thriller, mm. he had mentioned before about MTV, his video clips, they were like short film. Weren't they amazing? And that's what also, I think, makes people go back to the 80s because... Watching like um, Thriller, for instance, and the whole Thriller's still a great video. everything about it was just amazing to sit there and watch that for the first time. Going, what is this? Mm. This is a movie yeah. in itself, and it has a great storyline. And it obviously had Michael Jackson and everything going on about it. It's just like yeah, brilliant. Everything yeah. about it was brilliant. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. And the, and the album, the way they recorded the album too, was big, and it sounded mm. just sounded like I I, I always feel the album sounded like it was bigger than everything you, you'd heard. Yeah. It was a production. Yeah. yeah. But it still sounded light and it sounded accessible. It didn't sound dense. It, it, it sounded like you could just put that record on and play it and you'd feel like dancing or you felt yeah. like you felt good about the record. And look, biggest selling albums of the 80s and 90s and 
they are in order, and it's interesting to look at. We'll go mainly through the top 10, but of course, Michael Jackson's Thriller is the number one selling album of the 1980s. It is still the number one selling album of all time. Nothing will beat Thriller. Nothing will. Alrighty? But the number two album is Back in Black by ACDC. Big one, ACDC. That album just continues to sell. Now, I think I told you this once about the reason why ACDC's back catalogue sells so well and continues to sell well. No Greatest Hits. No Greatest Hits album. Yep. Malcolm Young said while he was alive, ACDC would never release a Greatest Hits album. And when Malcolm did die, some of the comments were, so I suppose the Greatest Hits album's coming out now. <laughs> Still hasn't. Still hasn't. Good on you, Angus. Yeah. But, um, and Metallica are the same. Yep. Metallica have never released a Greatest Hits album. The closest they've come is live recordings, mm-hmm. but they've never released a Greatest Hits. And they're the other out working in a record store. Um, ACDC and Metallica's back catalogue. Yep. And Led Zeppelin, of course. Mm-hmm. But yeah, those, those two are the ones that have the biggest back catalogue sales. Did you know, with ACDC, and this is probably the biggest selling Australian album of all time too. Yeah, it would be. But not in this country. How's oh, that? Yeah. <laughs> when Never back in... Didn't think of that before. Yeah, yeah. Whispering Jack is still the biggest selling album in this country. Wow. Yeah. By an Australian artist as well. That was the 80s. That was the 80s. Yeah. And that was loaded with hits, that song. Yeah. I remember that being played in high school and all the girls in my class just loved John Farnham and that was being played everywhere. (laughs) And I just couldn't handle it. It was just like, this is so sad for music. I wasn't a fan. But as an older but I understand person, it. But as an older person, I really appreciate Mark John Farnham's vocal ability. Oh. When you get older you like I was a you know, heavy yeah. metal fan, so of course I didn't so, like yeah. anything. No. Except for heavy metal. But look back at it, at it now, it's like this is amazing. He he was an amazing singer. Yeah, yeah. Still he is. Was. Still is. Yeah. His 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 technique is incredible. Mm. To the point now where Celine Dion tours Australia with him. With him. Yeah. Brings Michael John Farnham out on because she was doing You're the Voice and she was saying to him, You are the one that inspired me. Yeah, that's incredible, isn't it? That's incredible. That's good for good, John. It's good for John. We're probably he's done all right out of it, I think. Well, I used to I used to like watching him on um Hey Hey Saturday. Because he was a very funny guy. Yeah, actually. He was actually. He was actually really he actually funny. had a good head sense of humor, yeah. yeah very, he was quick witted too. Yes. No, he, um that album came out in eighty nineteen eighty mm-hmm. in the world, and I think by eighty one the Australian album in this country that outsold Back in Black was Sirocco by Australian Crawl. Wow. And Kev here at Chaos Studio, he, he's got a signed copy of a Sirocco up on the mm. wall here. And yeah. uh, you sort of, for those of you who don't know, Australian Crawl were a big band in this country. They and, were. And their lead singer, James Rain, still pulls a big crowd and, People still love those Australian crawl songs. They yeah. never really quite cracked the overseas market, but here in Australia, yeah. Aussie crawl, man, they, they were they were a big band. I only found out a while ago what Aussie Australian crawl actually means. It's a swim. It's just the doggy paddle. Yeah, it's the doggy paddle. I like... never knew that. There's a, swing, there's a swimming school around the corner from my house, and got, it's called uh, has Australian crawl on the side. I'm like, what's that mean? And I worked it out. It's actually the doggy paddle. Is it the doggy? They call it the Australian crawl. Mm. I always thought it was something like freestyle or a version yeah. of the freestyle, the Australian crawl. No, I must be the, the Australian crawl. Well, there yeah. you go. There you go. <laughs> Bit of fun facts for everybody at home. I know. What I'm, what I'm, I, look, Back in Black wasn't loaded with singles, but I tell you now, You Shook Me All Night Long, Back in Black, Hell's Bells, Shoot to Thrill, all, and Rock and Roll Ain't Noise Pollution, all get played on the radio still. Yeah. Even though they probably weren't officially released as singles, but I'm, that's five songs. Yeah. That's five songs, five hit singles. Not many albums now are bringing out... I don't even think Adele has five songs coming off a record Mm. now. Maybe three or four. Yeah. But five. Thriller had seven. Brittany Wood, would you? Back in the day, she probably... Back in the day, she would have had a few. I reckon only about three. Maybe three three or four. four. I think the other one that had seven number one singles was the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. Okay. So we can go back to this. The Rhythm Nation probably would have had a few. About three, really? Yeah, I think about three. Black Cat, Rhythm Nation, and Miss You Much. They're the only ones I know that were singles. Mm, Might have been a couple of others. Yeah, then we had Carlo had a few. Yeah, we know about that. (laughs) Born in the USA, Bruce Springsteen, Mm. number three, massive record. We don't we don't sort of realize how big Bruce Springsteen was during the eighties. Yeah, 
But yeah, massive record. But the, we'll go into number four, biggest selling debut album of all time, Chris. What is it? Appetite for Destruction, Guns N' Roses. Still a killer record, isn't it? It's never, never going to disappear off my listening loop. I, I, you know? I still, when people put on YouTube them playing songs from Guns N' Roses, mm. I will watch. Oh, because I absolutely. like to see how the guitar parts were played. Yeah. It's, nothing sounded like it. No one acted like it. No, they acted, that's probably where Guns N' Roses, they were the most dangerous band in the world. You thought they were going to implode any, any minute, any minute now, but they made these incredible songs. Yeah. These incredible songs. They're all alcoholics, they're all drug addicts, mm. they're all the ones who smash the, the hotel rooms and all that kind of thing. Everything that you based on what a rock and roll star did, they did and then tenfold probably. For and what yet, trying. amazing musicians, all of them. Absolutely. And songwriters. Yeah. They, they had it. And the funny thing is when they were on the strip, because they, they were too rough for the, they weren't pretty boys. No. They tried to make We well, You them, couldn't see Slash. You couldn't see Slash. <laughs> Under his hair. Izzy was strung out as all hell. Yeah. And Axel was, uh, he was a little crazy. Eccentric? Crazy. Crazy? A little, yeah. He, he, yeah, Axel was very unpredictable sort mm. of person. He was. And, and Duff was like, that was the punk. Yeah, he yeah, was. He like sort of, he just, he was a punk. Mm. He was a Seattle punk. He was. And as I've said before, he was in the farts in Seattle, you know. He, he, yeah. So when the Seattle scene happened and the, he knew all those guys. Yeah. Because, you know, once you're in a music scene, you're in, you, you know everybody, you know. And, um, but I feel nothing sounded like it at the time. No. It sounded like a real, like, like five guys who were in a gang. Yeah. <laughs> Made a record. Yeah. And even they have never sounded that good ever since. No, I totally agree. Yeah. They got too polished by the time you use your illusion. They became, they've become big rock stars. The yeah. album was polished. But even though there is a polish to this record, it, nothing sounds like appetite. And every song on there is just amazing. Oh, it's not a dud track. No. I remember when I first put that on, it was just like, wow. Hmm. You know, I, I actually, um, I remember I was watching the MTV Video Awards at a friend's place one night. He was having a party and his party was a bit dull. So I went into the TV to watch this. And um, I remember there was a couple, me and my brother were there and there's a couple other people and they got Guns N' Roses. Sam Kinison came out and uh, introduced Guns N' Roses, you know, and they came in and did um, Welcome to the Jungle. Yep. It wasn't Sweet Child, like Welcome to the Jungle. And they killed it. Yep. They were, I, mean, I just remember, it was the first time me and my brother were just sitting there going, wow. what is this? I remember there was this other guy sitting there going, this is awful. No. <laughs> That's funny. He was this real straight guy I went to school with, you know, like, like square, you know, and he was yeah, like, yeah. this is awful. And I'm just, me and my, I just remember me and my brother just going, what, this is, gun. we heard of this band, but this is them. Yeah. This is incredible. This is incredible. Look, I don't want to go into every album, but what I want to, point I want to make is I'm going to go to an album here, Purple Rain from Prince is there. Brothers in Arms, Die Straits. Yeah. Oh, before I go, 34 weeks at number one in Australia. That's 34 weeks at number one. Who cares? Yeah, I know. No. Do you really listen to this record any? Oh, I don't know. I don't even own it. I'm talking Def about Leopard. the singles. Def Leppard, Hysteria, comes in at number 10. One of the biggest selling albums of all time. Mm -hmm. Yep. Seven singles off Hysteria. Seven. Seven. Women, Rocket, Animal, Love Bites, Pour Some Sugar On Me, Armageddon It, and Hysteria. Wow. Were all singles. Twelve tracks altogether? Twelve tracks. And seven were hits. Seven were singles. Love wow. Bites was a number one single. Really? Yep. And that's because I think the female audience really was um, mm. attracted to that band. Well, they lightened it up a bit. They weren't as heavy. No. But to me, that was still the musicianship and the craftsmanship was, oh, yeah, was so sure. good. I've seen them live, and they are just a fantastic band. Yeah, I've never seen them live. Um, yeah. This is this is why we had this discussion earlier mm. about the Def Leppard Motley Crew, who headlines. Yeah, that's an interesting point you make, because mm. after seeing that, and that's off one album. Mm. And, 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 and Pyromania is only a couple behind. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, Pyromania is in, like, you know, in the 20s, I think. It's in there somewhere. Yeah. There it is, number 23, Pyromania. So in the 1980s, it would have been between Def Leppard and Michael Jackson as to the biggest selling acts wow. of that decade. Is Motley Crue in there at all? Not in the slightest. 
Not, you just saw Dr. Feelgood. Feel, because the, 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 the number 100 is... Dr. Feelgood was um, a 90s album. No, 89. 89, was it? Yep. Okay. So Blizzard of Oz came out in 1980, 4 million records sold. That's your number 100. I think Dr. Feelgood sold less copies. Really? That's how big Ozzy Osbourne was, too. Oh, I, I, I love Ozzy. Oh, Blizzard of Oz, Ozzy's you know. Brilliant. I mean, there's some interesting there's some interesting acts in here. And these books are great to read because it makes you realise, oh, this was big. Oh, that was big, you know. Oh, ZZ Top were big. Yeah, Afterburner. The big chill soundtrack. No. That's when the nostalgia for the 60s kind of yeah. kicked in, you know. Journey were massive in America. Quite not right. here in Australia. No. They were not big in Australia, but in America, Journey are like soundtrack. Quiet Riot. Mm. First heavy metal song to go number one, Come On, Feel The Noise. Yeah, we had that in our house as well, played quite loudly downstairs. I'm sure you did, you <laughs> little yeah. rebels. It wasn't me, it was my brothers. But all of these albums have multiple singles off them, and I think that was a real bench, the thing for the 80s, was yeah. this, and for Australian bands too, and these are all overseas international acts, but even you look at, as you mentioned before, The Swing Mm-hmm. Kick Friend in Excess is in here because it sold 7 million copies in America. Yeah. But the other albums that they released, The Swing, wall-to-wall hits, mm. and all of them good. Mm. Um, Listen Like Thieves, wall-to-wall hits. You know, the Midnight, Inex- Midnight Oil. Midnight that. Oil. Yeah. They, they were, Hunters and Collectors. Hunters and Collectors, <clears throat> wall-to-wall. They, they went into the studio and went, you know, even Cold Chisel had hits. Oh, yeah, for sure. They, you know, the multiple hits. They, they went in, I mean, all, all bands go in to make a popular record, I suppose. Yeah. But it was really in the 80s when they went radio songs. Yeah. These have... Will they sound good on the radio? Can can they be played on the radio? And when Thriller goes in, and that was the that was the mindset when they made Thriller. And apparently that was the mindset when Mutt Lang went in to make Hysteria. Mm-hmm. Every song... He wanted at least seven singles off the record, like Thriller. He said, we want to make the heavy metal Thriller. That's oh, what we're making here. Yeah. Every song was a potential and hit they single. Did. <laughs> Born in the USA had six singles off it. Wow. You know what I mean? It's uh, this this is this what that does too is that increases the longevity yeah. of the band. Like an album like Whitney Houston's debut album, which is the number five record in there, comes out in nineteen eighty five. And in nineteen eighty seven, singles are still coming off that record. Mm. That doesn't happen nowadays. No. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. There's no... Singles don't last months anymore, really. No. You know? No. Even the albums don't even make it, really. I think the lot... Because we went on the radio show I was doing last year, we would cover off the top five. Oh, yeah. um, Singles? Yeah, top five singles every week. Lining Lights by the weekend. Just never left the top five. That's what we play now. That's a great song. That's a TikTok song. Oh, it is now, yeah. Yeah. But Blinding Lights... I thought it was one of the most perfect pop songs of mm. 2020. I thought it was a brilliant song. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, that was probably one of the last singles I know. And Old Town Road, the little nuts. No. Yeah. That's almost novelty in my books. But Blinding Lights, I thought, was beautifully produced and mm. beautifully put together. That was sort of the last single that stayed, that had real staying. It wouldn't go. No. It has been leave. played every day. I still, hey? hear it. I still hear it every day. You would, wouldn't you? Yeah. And there's a couple of Ed Sheeran ones too, but... Yeah, there is. I mean, do you like Ed Sheeran? Yeah, there we go. It just, gets a big, it just gets a big shoulder shrug from me, but geez, he's popular, isn't he? He is. He's actually got COVID at the moment. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Get better. Get well, Ed. <laughs> you write your own If songs. you're watching. If you're watching. If you're listening, Ed, I hope you are. I don't mind him. I don't mind. I, I, it's, I don't like, no, it's like everyone raves about Adele, but I, I kind of go, yeah, I, I get it. She's great. Hmm. But I, if I hear her voice too long, it, it does my head in. And I go, oh, can I just listen to Adele in, in, in short little yeah, bits and pieces? So this is why I think we have this connection with the 80s yep. in such a huge way. Our generation, at least. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose when young... I know my kids do hear some of these 80s songs and love them. Like, my middle daughter, I, I worry about her music taste. Every time she gets in the car, can I put on a song? And I'm like, you've relinquished your music rights so many times. <laughs> And she plays something new that I go, this is just terrible. It's got nothing good going for it. It's even badly recorded. I don't know why you like this. But she loves I'm Still Standing by Elton John. Oh, wow. Loves that song. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll play it. She loves Queen. Yeah. You know, and Queen were a band, like, everyone raves about Queen. Great singles. But I never thought they had a a great album. Mm. Wall to wall, great album in them. 
from start to finish. Yeah. Start to finish. But singles, Foo Fighters are another band. I don't think they've brought out a great album in any way, but singles, pile them up. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of good singles there from, from the Foo Fighters. Yeah. So, in the 80s, there was that mindset of put as much, everything has to, they're all going for it. And the record yeah. sales showed. You know, like, that's when I wanted to buy records. It was just yeah, all during right. the 80s, you know? Like, you, you were White Snake's 1987 album because yep. of the singles. You saw it all on MTV. Yep. And yeah. then you have Europe with Final Countdown. There was, was only one. They only had, they had one, one song out of that. I know. Can you... <laughs> one of the biggest songs you still hear quite often. But oh, you hear that too. The whole like... album was pretty bad. Yeah, that was the problem, though. Some some bands just... One couldn't... hit song. And Europe is still going. Yeah, they're still talking. That's what kills me. <laughs> they had one song. Yeah. And it's like... Yeah, it's like when Poison came out with their greatest hits. They had about four good songs. And there's yeah. album, greatest hits album of these had 20 songs on it. I'm oh, like, really? Were there 20 good Poison songs? Nah, that's not true. That's not, there's no way. <laughs> there's no way. But uh, hey, we're back, you know, on the Motley Crue, Def Leppard, mm. Poison tour. Everyone's saying <laughs> Poison are performing well. They're all in great shape. They're yep. all performing well. Def Leppard, they're all performing well. But Motley Crue. Who headlines the show, Chris? Yeah, that'd be very interesting. I, I I'm sure they would have had to have had that worked out in the... Maybe for playing in America, Motley Crue do, if they take it over to the Europe, then Def Leppard do. Def Leppard would have to headline Europe. But have if Def Leppard have sold these records in America, I remember I read a stat once. Their, their first greatest hits album, Vault, or whatever it was called. Mm. No, Vault was the B-sides and stuff. There was yeah. a greatest hits that they brought out in the early 90s. Or in the mid '90s, and it was selling five thousand copies a week in America. It's twenty thousand a month. Wow, that's over a million records a year of their greatest hits. That's how big Def Leppard were and still are in America. Yeah. So, yeah, that's because seven singles yeah. of Hysteria and the song "Let's Get Rocked." Hey, see, <laughs> Def Leppard could just come out and just do the singles. Let's get—I like "Let's Get Rock." So do I. It's fun. I suppose it rocks out of the question. It's so dumb, but it's yeah, fun. it's fun. But um, who's? It's without taking anything away from Motley Crue and there, Doctor Feelgood did have five hit sing, five singles off that. Hmm. So that's they on that album. They were going for it because I remember listening to some of the earlier Crue albums and thinking the singles were great, but the album tracks were a bit. Yeah, Girls, Girls, Girls was one of those for me. Yeah, Girls, Girls, Girls. A couple of good songs, not much on. Not much else. Was Doctor Feelgood was a bit more (laughs) kicking. They, they, Bon Jovi when John Bon Jovi when they made Slippery When Wet, they were going for it. Yeah. To the point where I think um, they played the songs they recorded to a group of teenagers in New Jersey and asked them to pick the songs that they liked. Right. So when they went in for that album, that was their kind of. When was that? That would be in eighty six. It came out, but in eighty seven it got huge. And when did um, New Jersey come out? 88. So just in like yeah. one Bon Jovi album after the other in the late oh, 80s. Yeah. I have to take my hat up to them. When everyone else, when grunge hit, they came out with Keep the Faith and just almost kept their fan base in a way. They did. Yeah, that was, yeah. That was a good album too, actually. There is some good stuff on that. Mm. Yeah. So that's my take. Anything else you want to add to the 80s here, Chris? <clears throat> um, not really. I think that's... Except Linda Carlisle had a solo career in the late 80s. No. She started that. She did. Yeah. Heaven, uh, Mad About You was a great song. Again, the album probably wasn't a great album, but mm. a couple of hits. Um, that's where I think um, The Runaway Horses was a great album. Had quite a few hits on that. I'd like to know how many, though, because I don't know offhand, but at least I can think of three or four. Another another big-selling Australian album, which is in this list, is Men at Works, Business as Usual. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, there's another one. Who can it be now and Down Under? Mm-hmm. What's the rest of the album like? Yeah. I wouldn't know. I've no never heard it, but it was that early. That was before the. I mean, one song can do it for you. Yeah, yeah. One song can do it for you, and down under that thing was a monster. And apologies to those who contacted me after we did our Australian episode mm-hmm. because we didn't mention Men at Work at all. I've just mentioned them, <laughs> and, we mentioned it now I and I don't think they're as good as you think they were. Yeah, I think sorry. they had one or two. Actually, I liked Overkill. I thought Overkill was a really cool song, yeah. but really. Is Down Under the best song you've ever heard in your life? And um, the singer of that who wrote it, uh, Colin, Colin Hayes. Yeah. I found out the other day that Troy Sanders, the bass player and co-singer from Macedon, yeah. his, very, his first album he ever bought with his own money was that album. Business as usual. Yep. 
It was and huge in America. He yeah. is now, right now, friends with Colin Hayes. They ring and speak to each other all the time, and they were actually thinking of doing um, an album together or writing some songs together. So how would you get that connection? <laughs> it's just crazy, but they have they are really good friends and they talk all the time. Is that funny? How some and you know they I'm not sure where where's Macedon from, but for Georgia young, aren't they Atlanta Georgia or something like that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From, yeah. from um, Troy Sanders as a 14 year old, wherever he was at the time to yeah. buy his first album as an Australian band, is just crazy. But didn't I tell you about 14? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he's now friends with with Colin Hayes, and they're going to do some recordings together down the track. So yeah. all right, well that album has had even though I said right, eh. I have to take that back because that album, we've gone from Mastodon <laughs> to Men at Work. Yeah. I love our connections on this I show. Know, crazy, isn't it? Mastodon to Men at Work, and we've managed to connect it. Mm. We have to end it there, then, Chris. We've end it there. <laughs> no problems at all. But yeah, please. Uh, thanks for uh, waiting around for the next episode. Like, episode subscribe, 10. like, subscribe, and uh, yeah, comment below any yep. your favourite songs from the eighties and. What they mean to you, and yeah, what the what the eighties mean? Do you agree that it was it was because what we hear on the and the videos, of course. The videos, I still think attached everybody to music mm, in I a way that never happened in the seventies. No, so that's yeah. definitely visual. Yeah, but yeah. But thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, and uh, like this time. See you later. Yeah.